Hello and welcome to Portraits of Clongos, a podcast series that takes you on a journey into the lives of former pupils of Clongos Wood College. My name is Rossa McDermott, and in this podcast series, we will speak with alumni from Clongos to hear their first-hand accounts of the transformative impact this school has had on their lives. Dolphy Dini is an international fashion critic who covers the runway shows of London, Milan, Paris and New York and is a regular front-row reviewer at fashion seasons all over the world. Dolphy Dini, I'd like to thank you for joining us in the Clongos podcast. And the first question I ask always is, your time in Clongos, how was it and how do you remember it? I had a pretty happy time in Clongos. I remember the, the day we arrived and I'm the youngest of six and uh, my parents, you know, dropped us off, dropped me off. I had two brothers at the time, they're Arthur and Donald. Suddenly saying to them, I, I couldn't be late for in the refectory for my first meal. I kind of waved them by, ran off. And I remember looking at them, looking at each other rather sadly that this was the youngest <laughs> one finally saying goodbye. You know what I mean? Yeah. Going to go home to an empty house. And, and from from the earliest days, I felt very uh, at ease there. I maybe heard so much about it from my brothers. Yeah. What we're meant to do and how, you know, you're meant to behave. I, I loved the... The fact that I was in a very small class the first year, there were only 16 boys. Mm. I was struck at how serious the teaching was. You know, uh, Farrell Lawler in French or Paddy Fine in, in Latin, or it could be quite tough. I mean, you know, or, you know, others, Father Casey in mm. history. I mean, I, I felt they all took it very seriously, which I appreciated. And I was getting a, a proper education. And then I loved just all the games. I'd never played rugby. I played fo- football in, in Northern Ireland and Armagh, where I'm from. I love that whole sense of every day going out and playing rugby. Or then when I got better, cricket and, and tennis. I was amazed that they had, you know, swimming pool. The oldest swimming pool in Ireland, you could, you could enjoy it. I also was kind of protected because I had big brothers there. My eldest brother, not my eldest brother, my second eldest brother, Donald, was a, a prefect. So... You know, people looked out for me. I was also quite precocious. I've always enjoyed, when I was younger, talking to much older people mm. and listening to them. I, I remember there was a, I've suddenly forgotten his name, there was a very, oh, Father Power. Yeah, it was Sarah a Power. man who everyone said had helped crack the atom when he was a young mathematician. I always find him fascinating to, mm. to talk to, uh, and would often sit and listen to what he had to say. Then they had a debating society, which I loved. I loved that, you know, there was a kind of decorum where people, you know, sort of followed the rules of a parliament and listened <laughs> and they were offering opinion. And then you had to prepare for that. I mean, this is pre-internet where you know you you had to kind of have read history books or at least read a paper and of course in those days there wasn't really ready access to newspapers they 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 didn't really want that influence seeping in but i found all that first year very nice my second year in rudiments i remember being disappointed they didn't make me attack (laughs) thought that was uh, I think they thought I had presumed I would be, and this was a Jesuit way of yeah. teaching you a little bit of humility, <laughs> which always uh, uh, struck me as probably a wise idea from a management point right. of view. And, uh, I, you know, 
uh, we grew up, but I still, I was a, a good debater. I think I even won my first medal that year in the lower line. Uh, I was reasonably good academically. I was in the first class for everything except Gaelic, I'm afraid. That was always a bit of <laughs> Achilles heel in my life coming from the North. Yeah. I just, I didn't, we didn't, it was kind of half banned in, in Ulster. In my life, so. And I didn't like being in the third class. It was the one subject. <laughs> Uh, I always regretted that I didn't persevere. It turned out I'm not bad at languages. I speak Italian and French pretty well. and indeed became a, a writer in French. But at the time, Gaelic kind of was my, unfortunately, crossed a bear. And, uh, but, you know, and I had very good friends there. You know, your gang would change from year to year, you know, uh, and some boys would leave and others would arrive. But, you know, I remember my friend Kevin Byrne or, or, or David Brown or Tim Bulland or, uh, or Peter Christ. They were kind of guys I hung, hung around with a bit in the summer or went to uh, Gaelic College one time with or, you know, or, or, or visited in Dublin and stayed with, you know, so uh, I, I discovered then that whole sense of meeting other people, meeting like the English kids, who's, you know, nearly all of their fathers were Irish immigrant doctors or something in yeah. England. Or even there was a, a slightly colonial element. There were always two or three guys from Kenya who who, who played cricket very well. And uh, I remember that fascinating. And then just this thing of going up to Dublin and following, you know, following, going on the road with your team, you know, on, on, until about the JCT, I, I, I made it um, onto the rugby team. And I always find that fascinating to visit other schools. Yeah. It, with hindsight, I suppose, yeah, it was part of, you were part of an elite. You were mm. visiting private schools largely or or schools in catchment areas where that were very bourgeois or haute bourgeois. But it, it gave you an insight also to, you know, to how the country operated, how people thought. Mm. Uh, and, um, you know, as I progressed through the year, I think that was in my uh, fourth year in, in, in syntax, and they finally made me second <laughs> of the line. You know, I realized my political great. So I got that off my shoulder, too. <laughs> and uh, people, I, 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 I just had a very happy time there. At the end, I was a bit done with it. Six years is a long time. But I remember... Because my parents had been away, I had, and sometimes happens if you're a northerner, you have to stay on an extra day before your parents could come down yeah. for a holiday. And that's what happened to be my final day. The school, everyone gone away. And I remember walking around the grounds and walking around all the rooms and, and thinking this chapter was closing on my life. And I'd had a, you know, it was a good one and it made me optimistic for the future. And, and finally, you know, I did get the results I wanted. In those days, it was four honours. You know, it was a lot easier. But I got into tr Trinity to study economics. So the, the, the university had the, that I wanted to go to. So the Jesuits uh, and, and, and their teaching and their, their attention had, had worked out. And mm. I've, always, I've, I've always been thankful to them for that. But you're never intimidated, probably because your family is very familiar to you, isn't it? The whole place to start with. Yeah, very. I've always been fairly self-confident. Mm. I uh, I was always could talk to anyone. It's a still thing, you know. I've always been very able to question authority or go and ask the prefect of studies or a head boy, even though he's five years older than me. 
and it stayed with me. Mm-hmm. You know, I've ended up being a fashion journalist and an editor. If I go along to the uh, AGM of LVMH, the biggest company in 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 in, in France. I, I asked very tough questions of Bernard or no, who a couple of weeks ago was just all over the world. So that has stayed with me, yeah. that, that, that ability. And also what helped me also was the simple fact of writing fairly demanding themes every night in your jotter and handing them in mm. before you went to bed. That is a tremendous training. Now, in late in life, I became a father. Sonia and I have two boys. I became father at 60. And I follow their homework. But as it's in French, I can't really do it. So we have someone who does it. And occasionally I fill in, but my eldest boy often tells Sonia that daddy's using very bad words. So <laughs> then I appreciate the patience of the churches. But this idea of also making a precis, making a, a summary, an intelligent uh, summary of what you just heard of what you've just discussed, of what you've just seen, and putting it in good grammar, with good spelling, so that anyone can come along and read it and feel that they were there. Mm. That's been a, a tremendous training for me. And does the phrase men for others mean anything to you? Sorry? The phrase men for others that uh, was always talks about. Does that... Making men of you. Yeah. Give me the boy, then take away the man, that kind of... I don't know if that was so true, to be honest. I mean, I think... I was fairly uh, raw troop when I <laughs> You know, I think um, it took me a long time to grow up, I think. And uh, even I went to Trinity, I mean, I, I suppose I was in, I, I shared a flat with some, some buddies and uh, then I was in rooms. But I thought I was fairly callow youth in the end when I went up to university. I don't think until, I really kind of grew up until I went to New York when I was 21 to do a master's degree. And then you're finally away from your family. And you're on, you know, you had to, you know, survive. You had to take care of yourself. Otherwise, you know, you, you had no support. Group. I think I grew up. But I, it's funny how history repeats itself. Um, that um, I live right in the middle of Paris, you know, near, between the opera and the Louvre. Yeah. And when we had uh, Jack, we asked, we actually asked a couple of neighbors, and one of the neighbors was a guy who, my former colleague at Le Figaro, who kind of covers wars and terrorism. He thinks he's quite a serious <laughs> guy. I said, What do you think I should send Jack? And he said, Oh, there's only one school in the neighborhood. That's L'Ecole Saint Roch. Mm. Uh, that was uh, a, a Catholic private school, uh, 10 minutes walk away. And, and indeed, academically, it's the best of the small schools. And, but uh, I've ended up back where I began, that the, quite a few of the boys, uh, of, the, of the fathers of the kids, uh, boys and girls, and it's a co-ed school, are, are Jesuit trained. And indeed, when I asked Madame Guillen, the... Uh, La Madame la Directrice, the yeah. mistress. What, where would Jack go when he was 11? She kind of laid out, a, you know, half a dozen places, maybe. But of course, two of them were Jesuits. Stanislaus, I think that's maybe where he land up, and, you know, a Jesuit priest name. Stan is the person. Um, so it, it's curious how, you know, uh, Arthur Miller always said, time bends. You often come yeah. back to the good. Where you start. You see the world in a different light when you come back the second time, which mm. is what I, we're doing now. Yeah. But I mean, 
Congress wouldn't be an option per se for you in Paris, but the ed- Jesuit education is. I strongly suspect that's where I end up. Yeah. I mean, perhaps one day go back to, to Congress, but you know, I became father very late, so I want to see a lot of myself. So. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, well, that affects us all, Godfrey, in fairness. When you have kids, you get selfish, you don't lose them for five or six years either. If I, you know, my parents had six children. Uh, my father went to Clongos and my uncle went to Clongos. We were a kind of Clongos family. I could see, you know, applying. I mean, maybe they wouldn't <laughs> let me jack in now, but I just think if I was maybe 30 or so, 35, I could understand why, oh, let the kid go away, but. Uh, no, I, I I think it's unlikely. Yeah. Have you been back to the place a few times since you left? I have. I've been back three or four times. Uh, I went back to a couple of school reunions. Uh, and once or twice, I've uh, found myself driving west uh, and just pulled over and, and just driven in and walked around and seen the old place. Mm. And, you know, James Joyce said about Dublin when he was writing New Lists, about, he said, you know, I never really left Dublin. <laughs> in a way, if you're an immigrant, that's kind of true. It's always in your mind, no matter how distant or how, in my case, I have quite an exotic job in the fashion world. But, you know, you often think back to those times mm. when you were there and the people you remember, and I'm looking forward to very much to seeing that uh, my gang of uh, 1973. It's hard to be 50 years um, this year, yeah. 50 years. Well, we'll all, we'll all be quite pleased we made it this far. But, you know, the to talk about time bending again, uh, about uh, what age was I? I was 28, maybe a decade or more, or after I left Congress. Uh, I was in Rome and I was working for a local newspaper and it went bankrupt and I was desperate looking for a job. And I went to see a lady in Reuters, rather posh English lady, and I showed her my clips and she said, look, she said, you're obviously got talent. I, I hear you're a hard worker. She said, uh, can I ask you something very direct? I said, yeah. Yes. I said, I said, are you Catholic? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, yes, I am. I'm a bit surprised to hear an English person pass and said, it's a radio. I think they could use you. And she wrote down on a poster the name, this is Father Lath, give him a call. Mm. He said, there's Vatican Radio needs a speaker in English. You'd probably be just up their street. You told me you're a Jesuit boy and the Jesuits <laughs> control Vatican Radio. Yeah. So I said, uh, okay. I said, well, uh, all right. I was a bit surprised. And I went down. I had much money. I sort of worried I was going to run out of money. I remember I bought a coffee and I bought, <laughs> in those days you had to buy a jetofano, like a little coin to make a phone call. And I put it in the uh, in the slot and I called. And I got talking to his father and I said, oh yeah, I said, come over and see me right now. And I went over and I, I mean, I, I had a blazer and a tie on. I went over and he hired me on the spot. Mm. Uh, I ended up doing that for about six months, reading the news on Radio Vaticano. And it's where I, you know, got better uh, Italian. And one day, a couple of months into it, there was Father Lama said, now there's a very interesting priest who's back from the missions abroad who I had dinner with the arm out. It'd be a good idea if you're interviewed. He's over in the Casa degli Scrittori, the House of the Writers, which is one of the names they use for a part of the a Jesuit house over there. And in fact, if you go by in near the Vatican on the Borgo, the streets around yeah. the Vatican Borgo, there is this huge big building uh, with absolutely no markings on it. You wouldn't know what it was, mm. and it's Jesuit World Headquarters. <laughs> <laughs> 
It was a bit unusual, but yeah, I went there and I went inside, I waited, and then I was brought down into this Renaissance courtyard. It was very nice looking, and inside a big room, I went nice. I walked in, and who was sitting there? Father Leonard, my old history teacher. Jack Leonard. So the circle was complete. (laughs) Circle of life. And you keep in touch this year. I know you lost a few people. And you have new unit. They form a bunch of your core friends, the people. Yeah, well, that was the thing, as you said, you know, you now we have a WhatsApp group and we keep tabs on, on each other. And we're looking forward to the 50th anniversary. There was a very nice fellow called Connor McHale who died about a year ago. I was the first one to hear of it and I mentioned it. And then we began discussing who was no longer with us. And it was nearly, well, I think it was 11 now. So time passes by. That's what happens. That's what fate brings us. Um, but still, it's pretty impressive if there's going to be 30 or 40 of us there. Absolutely. Bro, so yeah. one guy appeared who you thought you'd lost. One guy guess, came back who you thought you'd lost appeared, didn't he? One of your classes okay. reappeared. I won't say who it is. So down here, I'm still alive. He was down here at our club. Yeah. And he said, no, 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 no. What's this about? But... Um, <laughs> It's often the uh, you know the ones who seemed the fittest when they were you know played rugby well, mm. you know looked kind of champions who who, who leave you you know mm. it's, uh, and others slip quite quietly away in distant lands in America and, and in Canada and then there's some we don't know how to contact you know yeah. even you would think nowadays with Facebook and Instagram yeah. or LinkedIn you'll find everyone but like there's like half a dozen names you're like we don't we didn't know where they are. Um, I suppose in the end, school reunions tend to be dominated by people who who felt who feel who who feel they've been successful in life, yeah. or at least made a fist of it. So, yeah. should I warn the nineteen seventy three crowd then that you're coming back? Should I <laughs> give them a heads up? Oh well, um, you're, you've done fairly well now. Uh, you told me to debate. I'm still trying to debate, Garvey. <laughs> Well, it's a, you know, I even funny now I tend to interview people more than debate them. Yeah. I have a podcast I do with our, we, I run this platform, Fashion mm. Network, which is kind of the Reuters of the fashion and, and beauty and luxury industry. And uh, and we own also uh, Fashion Jobs, which is kind of the LinkedIn of fashion. Yeah. Quite a good business model. It's a happily profitable company and it's quite a good news platform we we operate in uh, 10 languages mm. you know all over the world we've nearly a million subscribers and uh, you know we in, in english french italian german <laughs> spanish portuguese and now also in russian and chinese and japanese and turkish so it's kind of an international phenomenon but uh, so i actually work quite hard to keep the the show on the road you know and i've I suppose the nice job that I'm the the brand ambassador, you know, I mean, get to fly around the world and go to shows Chanel and Dior, Stockholm and LA and Morocco, wherever. But, uh, uh, you know, there'd be an awful lot of people out there who'd like to do my job. So if you work, I remember was our prefect when we studied was, uh, his nickname was Spots McDonald. He, McDonald, he was, his father owned a hotel near the border. And I remember he had this motto written on his desk, if you rest, you rust, which, you know, it's kind of like a, a glib enough phrase, but I always feel that. Mm. That's 
all of it maybe I've taken with me uh, from bloggers. And then I suppose the final thing was, you know, sadly we've learned in the recent past of some very bad behavior in Clongos by the rhetoric before our time. Yeah. Uh, that's a great shame and a great wrong. But I have to say, that wasn't my experience. And I remember more Jesuits as people who put a lot of effort into educating us and trying to, I think they had an idea of trying to educate a kind of Catholic elite for Europe slightly. I think it had morphed into that in our time because we just had joined the, uh, the year before. Absolutely, uh, that year, yeah. I think it was that year. Yeah, 73, yeah. Because that's where Peter lost his father. Do you remember? They're old enough to Brussels to negotiate. Yeah, so it was around right there. The year I left Columbus, maybe we technically yeah. when we went in, but we've been talking about it for several yeah. years. Um, I think all that effort they made to kind of drive us and, and push us. Uh, I've always felt grateful for And slightly, I, in a small way, I try to put something back in. I always have an intern most years. Uh, mm. And I work with them and I bring them to shows or I introduce them to George Manny or Carl Lagerfeld or whoever. Wow. Just, I bring them and say, just so they'll make them ambitious. To say, look, if you really work hard, 10 or 20 years, maybe you can get into these shows and you can, you can, you can, if you're really into fashion, you can do this. Like whether you want to be a, an editor or a PR person or an executive or a merchandiser, whatever you want to end up being, uh, I try to encourage that ambition. And, and I, I'm happy to say some of them end up running, you know, running kind of fairly serious things, you know, yeah. being full time buyers in New York or, you know, having their own great TV program or, you know, working in an interesting divine department. Uh, that's been another thing I took away from. You surprised you end up in fashion, having started in Reuters and different places? Yeah, well, I was always a bit of a clothes horse. Right. Uh, I, I always liked, well, I always loved the blazer. It was a hand-me-down from my bro- eldest brother. But my they were good blazers, though. Long blazers. <laughs> Still have I have it somewhere. I keep it for my son. And then I liked all the, the cricketing gear or the rugby gear. Uh, I liked wearing bloggers in those days. You had to wear the tie to yeah. bath. And so you had your one good suit, a couple of sports jackets, maybe a blazer and a couple of slacks. But, you know, it was quite formal. And uh, I think when I first went into fashion, I thought I'd do it for a few years. I was always kind of interested in it. And I like I liked reading glossy magazines, but... Uh, I didn't think I'd be in my career, but fortunately, it, co- it coincided at a, a moment when the you know the fashion luxury lifestyle business became this giant business. And so, apart from Silicon Valley, yeah. the, the most dynamic business in the world in the last yeah. twenty years were, and I was lucky enough also to you know have been an editor at Condé Nast. I was I'm the only Irish person ever to edit a Vogue. I was the editor of Vogue for five years prior to the internet when you would you know there was loads of money in glossy magazines there were huge amounts of advertising i got something like a hundred thousand dollars <laughs> a month an issue to spend on content on photographers writers you wow. know it, it really was a good i used to fly the concord in new york you know but uh, uh, you know, it was a car and driver the whole way, and you could make really great magazines. I really made a good magazine, great photographers, great writers. You get guys in LA, New York, best in France, wherever. So, I, I, that was a very nice time in my life in the 90s. But, uh, I, and later on, I ran indie magazines in Berlin, which was, you know, 
very exciting too. And uh, but the internet has destroyed the uh, the world we knew the business model. I mean, there'll always be magazines, but they'll be it'll be a bit, bit like what television did to radio. You yeah. know, now radio is five eight percent of the maybe in Ireland a lot more because Irish people love to talk. It's maybe ten percent <laughs> of the, the listening audience. You yeah. know. And the advertising budget, but oh. you know, magazines will end up from in luxury where there were 70, 80 percent of the spend, yeah. they'll end up at five or ten percent. And given your audiovisual kind of background, is there any piece of music or music that takes you back to your years there in Clongos? If you hear them, for example, do they take you back or reminders that come up every now and again? You did ask me that. What I mean <laughs> the music I listened to. <laughs> In a way, it's, uh, it's actually uh, horses. Yeah, I was going to say. Because uh, my brother was, eldest brother Michael was the manager. That's right, yeah. He was the manager, wasn't he? Because I've heard that scuttlebutt, and it's very hard to confirm. Oh, yeah, Deanie manages them, and then you're never sure if it's uh, one of these fictional stories. In years he was the manager. He got them their first record deal. He took them on tour in America. I even worked as a roadie driving. <laughs> So they brought to Georgia for about 10 days. Yeah. Uh, very sadly, Johnny Fian, the great guitarist, last week, yeah. went over to the funeral in, yeah. near Limerick. Mm. And uh, he was a great guy, a great player. But when I think back to, you know, the King of the Fairies or yeah. Derek Doom or something, or Furniture, those songs, I am cast it back to when I was a teenager mm. in Columbus. Yeah. These are but, classics. Nowadays, I listen to jazz and electronic music. And, and, and also, I listen to the kind of celebrities who turn up at fashion shows. like <laughs> you know, Calvin, whatever his name is, uh, who is a DJ. Puff Daddy or yeah. Little Man. People I listen to now, just to stay young. Yeah, you are young in mind. And if you just sum up the Clongos experience in one or two word or phrase, how would you do that, Garfrey? I think it has all the nobility of youth and much of the, the 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 bitter seeds of education which grow in to the fruit of wisdom. Garfrey Dini, thank you very much. My pleasure, Arthur.